Genesis chapter 40 is where we're going to be today. This morning we want to be in prayer for what God is going to do here in our midst, here at Rock Hill, here in the Inland Empire. But also we want to be praying for Ukraine this morning. And we want to be praying for the citizens, for the safety and for peace and for wisdom uh, for the leaders. And God is so good to us and God has blessed us immeasurably. And so often we take advantage or we take it for granted of all the blessings that God has given to us. And so this morning, we want to be in prayer for uh, these citizens that are uh, running, that are in fear today. And we want to pray that God will put a hedge of protection around them. And so before we go on any further today, let's have a word of prayer this morning for what, what God is going to do around the world. Lord, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, we believe that you are in control. And God, even when we are in a series today called Out of Control, we're talking about how life circumstances are often overwhelming and uncertain. But God, we want to acknowledge that you're sovereign, that you are the King of Kings and you are the Lord of Lords. And God, you ordain the kings and the presidents. And God, you are sovereign overall. And God, we wanna pray this morning for the citizens of Ukraine. Lord, we're praying for the Christians there even that are boldly proclaiming truth in a hostile environment. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the pastors and the missionaries that are seeking to be an encouragement and to share the gospel. God, we're praying that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them courage, and that you would put a hedge of protection around them. Lord, I pray that we would continue to pray and that we would do our part, Lord, uh, that, that your will would be done. And that God, I pray that you would give us wisdom to know how to pray for our leaders and to know how to be the citizens that you want us to be that would ultimately give you glory. We love you in Jesus' name, and everybody said today. Genesis chapter 40 today is where we're going to be, and we're going to study starting in verse number 1. And Joseph is a prominent character in the Old Testament. Thirteen chapters comprise his life, and God has so much to teach us through his life. And this morning, uh, I want us to start reading in verse number 1. And if you're ready to dive into God's word today, would you say amen? Verse number 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against the two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in a ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. And they continued a season in a ward. In ward. Verse number five. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream. The butler and the baker of the king of Egypt were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and he looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. Today, for a few minutes, I want to speak to this subject. Can you handle the truth? Can you handle 
the truth. Let's have a word of prayer together today. God, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for this time that we have to come together and to worship you. Lord, thank you for your word, and that is perfect and inspired. And God, I pray that you would speak to us in a great way through it today. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said this morning, this morning, I brought with me some potatoes from home. And the reason being is because I'm a pretty big fan of potatoes, and I like all kinds of potatoes. I like baked potatoes, mashed potatoes. How many of you are fan, fans of cheesy potatoes, sliced potatoes, uh, tater tots, and of course, uh, french fries, right? How many of you are fans of french fries this morning? Ironically, the French have not always been big fans of potatoes. Because in the 1700s, there was a time when the French believed that potatoes were poisonous. And that if you ate a potato, you would perhaps get a disease such as leprosy. And so they were told to not eat potatoes. When potatoes were first introduced in England, many people were against them, made it illegal to eat a potato. Many, many preachers even would preach against eating potatoes because after all, you can't find a potato in the Bible. And so they would preach against them. And so uh, there was this time when potatoes were were avoided. Now, eventually, governments and leaders, uh, they allowed the distribution of potatoes once again because there was a famine and there was starvation, and so they allowed these potatoes to be distributed. Uh, as it turns out, they are not poisonous, but in fact, they were a life-saving uh, resource. But for many years, they believed that these were poisonous. In fact, uh, potatoes had a nickname in the 1700s, the devil's apples. Uh, you were uh, to avoid these at all costs. Now, this morning, we uh, recognize that potatoes, in fact, are not poisonous. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? We can enjoy cheesy potatoes. They are, in fact, not poisonous. But because for so long, so many people believed something that was untrue, they missed out on a life-giving resource. What I want you to know today that as followers of Jesus, when we are unaware of the truth, or when we are ignorant of the truth, we are missing out on so many blessings and benefits that God has for us. And this is why Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse number uh, 32, he said this, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I want to encourage somebody today that the truth can transform you. The truth can set you free. The truth can liberate you. The truth can change you. But also, the truth can make you uncomfortable. Also, the truth can hurt at times. That's why today in our culture, there's a great tension over what is true. There's a great tension over truth. Uh, the fastest growing religion in the United States, or one of the fastest growing religions in the United States, is the nuns. Nuns. And uh, the N-O-N-E-S, the nuns. And this is categorized the people that self-identify as agnostic or atheist or nothing in particular. And so in other words, 30% of America is comprised of people that say truth is either irrelevant, it's unknowable, or it's very subjective. Tr truth is, is unknowable. Uh, Friedrich uh, Nietzsche, the German philosopher in the 19th century, uh, he's uh, perhaps most famous for nihilism, this belief that really nothing matters. Uh, something might matter to you uh, individually, but ultimately to a blind universe, nothing really has meaning in life. Friedrich Nietzsche was uh, the son of a pastor, and uh, he completely rejected Christianity, completely rejected the claims of the Bible. And it's interesting, uh, he gives reasons for his rejection of Christianity. And, and he said this, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, he said, It is our preference that decides against Christianity, not arguments. 
And so, in other words, he says, uh, my rejection of Christianity is not uh, based on uh, the actual facts, but actually my experiences and my preferences. He went on to say this, Frederick Nietzsche, we are all afraid of the truth. So this morning, my question is simple for us introspectively. Can we handle the truth? Can we handle the truth? Now, from the outset today, before we go any further, we have to recognize that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And we have to recognize that our foundation of truth is the word of God. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In Ephesians chapter 6, when it talks about putting on the whole armor of God to withstand the attacks of the enemy, the very first thing that we are commanded to put on is the belt of truth. Because the belt holds everything together, and so does truth. Uh, truth is, and doctrine is the glue that holds the body together. And, and so today, you might be wondering, well, uh, what does all this have to do with Joseph? All right, we're talking about uh, potatoes and philosophers and truth. Uh, what does this have to do with Joseph? Well, I believe Genesis chapter 40 gives us this excellent picture of how we can live according to truth. Genesis chapter 40 is almost a skippable passage in the narrative of Genesis. Nothing major seemingly happens in Genesis chapter 40. We start Genesis chapter 40, Joseph is in prison. We end Genesis chapter 40, and Joseph is still in prison. It seems like nothing major happens, but I believe that we see this beautiful picture of how we can live according to truth. How many of you today as followers of Jesus would say, I think it's pretty important that, that I would live according to truth? Anyone like that today? And that's what we're going to be studying this morning. Uh, Joseph was abandoned in Genesis chapter 40. He was all alone. People left him, abandoned time and time again. How many of you have ever felt in one point in your life uh, like you were abandoned by someone? Abandoned. I remember when I was in college, I was, uh, driving, I was driving down the road, and I came to a, a stop sign, and I was getting ready to make a right-hand turn. And there was someone driving uh, to my left, and it was at nighttime, and I did not see him and uh, his lights were not on at night. And I went to make a right-hand turn, and he just hit the side of my car uh, going full speed. And I spun out, and uh, I couldn't get out of my car. Thankfully, I was okay, but I couldn't get out of my car because it was completely caved in. And I had to crawl out the other door, and I was standing there uh, uh, on the side of the road, just kind of waiting to see what was going to happen, to see if someone was going to help. And at just that moment, one of my friends in college drove up, and I was like, thank goodness. One of my friends is here. He's going to help me. And he came, and he said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. He said, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. And then he left. And I was like, really? You're not going to wait with me? You're not going to stay with me? And so I was just there all by myself on the side of the road. And uh, sometimes in life, we can feel abandoned. We can feel like people turn on us. We can feel like people let us down. But I want you to know today that Jesus Christ will never abandon you. He will never walk out on you. He will never turn his back on you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And so today, as we come to Genesis chapter 40, we're going to see Joseph. He's all alone. He's abandoned. But God was still working in his life, still working through his life. And we're going to see how we can live according to truth. Now, if you're taking notes today, I want to give us four principles from this passage that will help us walk according to truth. Are you ready today? Number one is this. We remain sensitive to the needs of others. If we're going to walk according to the truth. We have to remain sensitive to the needs of others. Of others. Let's pick up the narrative in verse number one. Are you ready to dive in? Verse one. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And so we're introduced to new characters in the narrative of Joseph's life. We're introduced to uh, the butler 
and the baker. Now, uh, the butler was not maybe a traditional butler like, like you might uh, uh, conjure up in your mind. Don't, don't think uh, Alfred from Batman, okay? That's not the kind of butler uh, that this was. This was more of a cupbearer, uh, much like Nehemiah. The butler was the one responsible for drinking Pharaoh's wine before Pharaoh to make sure that no one would have poisoned it. And so he had to be very trustworthy. It was a great job, but if someone was going to poison Pharaoh, you were going to die. That was the butler. And then, of course, we see the baker uh, responsible for providing all the food for uh, Pharaoh. And so we see the butler and the baker. They do something to make Pharaoh angry, and he puts them in prison. Everybody tracking so far? Verse 3. And he put them in the ward. In the house of the captain of the guard, into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. So, so the king's uh, butler and baker are now put into the prison where Joseph is. Verse 4. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. And they continued a season in the ward. And so uh, Joseph now is given this new assignment. And it seems like everywhere Joseph went, he was given a new assignment. He was given something to do. People could trust him. He was responsible. And so they would give him a job or an assignment to do. And this could have seemed like an, a seemingly insignificant assignment. Okay, now I've got to take care of the butler and the baker. And I've got to watch them. I've got to oversee them. It could have seemed like an insignificant job. But how many of you know in God's divine plans, there are no accidents. There are only appointments. And, and so God was bringing this about. This was a divine appointment. This was not an insignificant assignment. And God was about to work through this situation. Notice verse number five. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man in his dream. And one night, each man, according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker uh, of the king of Egypt were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. Now, of course they were sad. They were in prison, okay? Uh, but Joseph sees them, and behold, they were sad. Verse 7. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore, quiet, Verse 7, and he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? Now, this is astounding. Uh, please don't miss this. Here's Joseph. He is thrown in prison for something he didn't do. He's been blamed. He's been abandoned. He's been left. He's been forgotten. And here he is in prison, and he's noticing the needs of others. Here's the butler and the baker. They're sad, and he could just see it on their faces. And now Joseph is remaining sensitive to the needs of others, and he goes to them and says, why do you look sad today? He's showing a genuine concern for people uh, that are in his life, the people that God brings to him. He's showing this concern. Uh, last week, we were, at the, uh, we were at the monster truck show in Anaheim, and that was the first time I've, I've ever been to that. It was pretty awesome. I'm, I'm definitely a monster truck fan now. And uh, I was there, and, and, uh, and uh, as we were walking in, my youngest daughter, Blakely, uh, she saw uh, some Dippin' Dots when we were going through, and she loves Dippin' Dots. And uh, she started asking me uh, throughout the whole night, Dad, can I have some Dippin' Dots? Dad, can I have some Dippin' Dots? And I said, maybe, Blakely, let's wait. And uh, not right now, not right now, maybe a little bit later. And she kept on asking me, Dad, now can we have Dippin' Dots? Now can we have Dippin' Dots? And so finally I looked at her. I looked her in the eyes and I said, Blakely, if you say Dippin' Dots one more time, you are not getting anything. <laughs> Trying to be as very, very clear as I could. So I could tell that frustrator that was not the answer that she wanted to hear. And so she kind of left for a few minutes, and she came back, and she was just looking at me. <laughs> and I looked at her, and she was just looking at me, and she said, Dad, I want what I want. <laughs> I want what I want. She's like, you know what I want. 
And I thought about that, and I thought, that is so indicative of human nature. Here's the reality. We want what we want. We want what we want. But a spiritually mature person doesn't say, I want what I want. A spiritually mature person says, I want what God wants. And what God wants is for us to love him and to love other people. And so often when we are hurting, it's all about me. Joseph could have, could have thought, you know what? I don't care that you're sad. I'm sad. Do you know what I've gone through? Probably worse than you. Joseph could have thought, I'm not going to pay attention to your needs. I've gone through uh, difficulties myself. You you don't know my schedule. You don't know my hurt. You don't know my pain. You don't know the busyness that I've gone through and the hurt that I've endured. Uh, I I don't have time to hear your problems. I've got problems of my own. So often when we're hurting, it's all about me. We're going through a difficult season. You don't know my schedule. You don't, you don't know how busy, you don't know how difficult it is. You don't know the pain that I'm enduring. But so often what we need to do when we're struggling, when we're hurting, is we need to go find someone else that we can serve, to find someone else that we can bless. You know, if you're going through a difficult season, one of the best things that you can do is go to a nursing home and find someone that you can encourage. Go to a prison and find someone that you can share the gospel with. Go to a hospital and find someone that you can pray with. Go on a mission trip to a third world country, see other people living in poverty, see how their life conditions are, and soon you will realize how blessed you actually are. So often when we're hurting, going through a difficult season, it becomes all about me. But here's Joseph. What is he doing? He's remaining sensitive to the needs of others. You look sad today. Why? Showing a genuine concern and interest in other people. The Bible says this in James 1.27. Pure religion, so true religion. You want to know uh, real Christianity, true Christianity, pure religion, and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows and their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And so true Christianity is about serving and loving those that can never pay you in return the fatherless and the widows, to go out of our way to encourage. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 says this, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men. And so today, if we want to continue walking in the truth, what we can learn from Joseph right off the bat is to remain sensitive to the needs of others. Make sure that it's not all about you and that you're going out of your way to serve and to love other people. Here's the second thought today. Number two, refuse to receive credit that belongs to God. refuse to receive credit that belongs to God. All right, let's pick it up in verse number eight. Everybody with me? And they said unto him, we have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. Now, in ancient Egyptian culture, dreams were uh, considered to be something that would predict the future. And so in Egypt and in Babylon, they had professional occupations of people that would interpret dreams. And so they took dreams very seriously. These dreams that the butler and the baker dreamed were not just simply their own dreams. These were God speaking to them, and uh, they didn't understand it. There was no interpreter of it, so they had these dreams. They couldn't quite comprehend it. By the way, uh, God is speaking to us through his word, and many times when there is an unsaved person that has not accepted Jesus Christ, they have trouble understanding the word of God. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, but the natural man, in other words, the unregenerate person, the, the lost person, the unsaved person, someone that does not know Jesus, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 
And so, in other words, if someone is not saved, they're going to have a, a, a hard time uh, interpreting the word of God. But if you are saved and you have trusted in Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. The Holy Spirit lives within you. And one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to guide you into truth. And so we can understand the Bible. And we can understand what God is teaching. But they didn't understand these dreams. And so they were troubled by this. Verse number 8. And this is what Joseph said unto them. Do not interpretations... Belong to God. Tell me them, I pray you. I love what Joseph does here. Joseph could have responded arrogantly. He could have said, oh, you have some dreams? Well, I don't want to brag, but I've had some dreams myself. Oh, God, God was talking. Yeah, God spoke to me uh, through dreams, not once but twice. But who's counting? You know, J- Joseph could have, could have been arrogant about this. But rather than receive the credit, what does Joseph do? Interpretations, they belong to God. He says, you know what, ultimately I can't help you, but I can point you to the one that can help you. Uh, My God, I I can point you ahead to God. And and so often what we do in life is if someone wants to come to us for a question or they want to get some advice, we want to kind of give them, you know, our great wisdom. We want to kind of pontificate and kind of play Dr. Phil for a moment. Well, here's what I think you should do. And here's what, uh, rather than saying that, we should say, this is what God says. This is what the word of God says. I remember when I was in elementary school, our church was having a building program, getting ready to build a new building for the church. And one of the things that all the elementary students were doing in their classes was uh, we had this uh, competition where everyone was going to go home and draw a picture of what they thought the building was going to look like. And then everyone was going to bring it uh, back to church. And whoever had the best drawing was going to win the competition. And so you'd go and you would draw. And then what we did was we put all the drawings in the hallway of the church. So all the parents and everybody could go in the hallways and see the drawings that all the kids did of the building. Well, I'm not a great artist. And so I didn't know exactly what I should do. But my brother, uh, Larry, who's several years older than me, uh, he's a great artist. And so I said, Larry, can you draw my picture for me? And uh, he was like, all right, sure. So Larry got, got all, all, the, all the markers and everything together, and we had these poster boards, and he drew the picture of the building, and it looked awesome. And Larry drew it, and I signed my name to it. And then I put it in the hallway of the church, and uh, everyone's walking around, and I was kind of bragging, showing all my friends, like, check it out, look at my picture, and it looks pretty good, right? And uh, I was really proud of that picture, and everything was going great. I was basking in the limelight until my mom walked through the hallway. And my mom walked through the hallway, She saw that picture, and she looked right at me, and she said, Matt, who drew that? (laughs) She knew right away. In other words, my mom did not have confidence in my artistic abilities. I was like, thanks for believing in me, Mom, right? And uh, she said, who did that? And uh, I had to to go home, and I got in trouble that night because I was trying to receive credit for something that I didn't do. I want to encourage you in life. Be careful that you are not walking through life accepting credit that does not belong to you. Hey, everything that is good comes from above, and anything that we can do is for the glory of God. And so refuse to receive credit that belongs to God. Joseph said, it's not about me and what I can do, but I can point you to the one who can help you, God. Hey, you're, you're, you're hurting. You lost a loved one. I can point you to the one that can give you comfort. You're struggling with anxiety. I don't know if I can help you, but I can point you to the one that can give you comfort and give you hope. You're struggling in your relationships. I can point you to the one that mends broken relationships and can restore relationships. His name is Jesus Christ. And Charles Spurgeon said, it is our job as Christians simply to live as a signpost that points others to Jesus. And that's what Joseph did. And so Joseph, he could have been arrogant. But also, Joseph could have been angry. Imagine Joseph being in the prison. Butler and the baker say, 
we've had these dreams, but there's no interpreter of it. Joseph could have said, you know what? I've had some dreams too. And guess what? They didn't come true. I'm here in prison. So let me just tell you something. Don't waste your time. I've had some dreams too, and nothing came of them. And so let me just tell you, uh, don't even worry about it. I'm done with dreams. I don't want to hear your dreams. I'm sick of talking about dreams. I'm here in prison. Uh, Everything was supposed to be for me. It seems like everything is against me. I don't want to hear your dreams at all. But the fact that Joseph says, let me tell, uh, tell me your dreams and let me point you to God, it shows us that he still had faith that God was going to bring these dreams to fruition. What this is from Joseph is an affirmation and a reaffirmation of his faith. What he was saying is this, I know I'm in a prison, but guess what? I still believe. I still believe that God's word will come to pass. He didn't get angry. He didn't get arrogant. He humbly pointed them to Jesus. He, he humbly pointed them to God. And I believe this is so vitally important. Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 says this. This is when Daniel, uh, Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, when they're uh, being forced to bow down before the idol, it says this. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. That's faith. Uh, they said, we believe that God can deliver us from the fiery furnace. We believe it. We believe that God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Watch this. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They said, even if it doesn't turn out like we thought, we will not bow down. And there ought to be some followers of Jesus that would say, you know what? Even when my expectations are not met, even when it doesn't turn out how I thought it would, I'm not going to bow down to the idols of this culture. I'm not going to bow down to this world. I'm going to keep on believing and keep on serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords, even if it's different than I thought. And that's exactly where Joseph is. Different than I thought. I'm here in prison, but I still believe. This leads us to our third thought today. Number three is this. And this is really the heart of it. Number three, recognize your responsibility to the truth. Recognize your responsibility to the truth. Everybody still with me this morning? All right, let's dive in. This is the heart of the passage. Verse number nine. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. So he tells Joseph this dream. The grapes came forth and gave the drink to Pharaoh. And Joseph said, verse number 12, unto him, this is the interpretation of it. So what does that dream mean? Here's the interpretation. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand in the former manner when thou wast his butler. Joseph says, good news. Here's the interpretation of your dream. In three days, you're going to get your job back. In three days, you're going to have your position restored. This is excellent news. This is, this is fantastic. Congratulations. In three days, things are going to get back to normal. Notice verse 14. But think on me. Now, now I love this because Joseph here is, is showing us his human side. Sometimes in the Bible, we see these larger-than-life characters, and we think, I don't know if I can relate to that. Here, we can all relate to what Joseph does next. Notice verse 14. He says, but think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me. And make mention of me unto Pharaoh, 
and bring me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they put me into the dungeon. Now, now watch what Joseph does. He tells the butler, hey, you're going to get set free. This is great. You're going to get your job back. But when you get back to Pharaoh, think on me. Remember me. Uh, tell Pharaoh the injustice that I have received, and maybe this will be my ticket out of prison. How many of you would say this is a reasonable request from Joseph, right? Uh, I think that all of us would probably want to make a similar request. Hey, when you get out of prison, uh, put a good word in for me. Think on me. Hey, help a brother out. Put a good word in. Tell Pharaoh. Think on me. Uh, this was a reasonable request. Now, here's what I want you to see. Joseph, in many ways, is a type of Christ. In many ways, we can see Joseph pointing ahead uh, to Jesus. And just as Joseph made a reasonable request, Jesus also made a reasonable request. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Watch this. Which is your reasonable service. It's a reasonable request to serve God. When you think about how good God has been to you and all that God has done for you and the blessings that God has given us and the home in heaven that God has provided for us and the fact that he sent his son to die for us and the fact that we have our sins forgiven, when you think about all that Jesus has done for you, it's a reasonable request that we would serve him. Hey, it's not a have to, it's a get to. It's a reasonable request to serve the Lord. Hey, we get to serve the Lord. It's a privilege that we can serve the Lord. It's a reasonable request. So Joseph says, put in a good word. Now, I want you to see that we have a responsibility to do two things. We have a responsibility when it comes to the truth to, first of all, hear the truth, to hear it. Okay, let's pick it up in verse 16. Now, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream. Behold, I had three white baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there was all manner of bakements for Pharaoh, and the birds that eat them out of the basket upon my head. So that was his dream. But I want you to see this. Here's the baker. He's kind of listening to the conversation between the butler and Joseph, and Joseph says to the butler, hey, uh, great news. You're going to be released from prison. This is awesome. Congratulations. Put a good word in up for me when you get out. The baker's over here. He's listening. He's thinking, that sounds pretty good. I want to know. About my dream. But it wasn't until he heard the good interpretation that he asked Joseph to interpret his dream. In other words, he only wanted to hear the good news. Hey, the butler got good news. I want to hear the good news. You know, sometimes in our household, I'll, I'll call a family meeting and I'll tell all the kids, everybody come and sit on the couch, we're having a family meeting. And uh, typically at those family meetings, I get everybody to sit down and typically it's either something exciting or it's something that they have to do a responsibility. So sometimes we'll come together, family meeting. Hey, tomorrow we're going to go. We're going to do something fun. And then they'll all be really happy and they'll cheer about that. But sometimes they say, all right, family meeting. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go clean your rooms. We're going to go clean the stairs. And uh, we're going we're gonna to take this seriously. And they never like it when there's something that's responsible. But they always love it when I share something exciting. They're always ready to hear the good things. They're always ready to hear something exciting. And this is how many people today are. Just like the baker, I only want to hear the good news. I only want to hear things that are going to encourage me. And when I come to church, tell me how great I am. Tell me how awesome I am. Tell me how much I'm loved. Tell me how everything's going to be fine. Tell me how all my problems are going to go away. And we only want to hear the good news. And this is the day in which we live where uh, we have to recognize that we have a responsibility to hear the whole counsel of God's word, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it hurts. 
A baker says, tell me the good news. Tell me something uh, that I want to hear. Tell me uh, something great about my dream. Isaiah chapter 30, verse number 10 says this, which say unto the seers, see not, and to the prophets, uh, this is what he's saying, tell the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, but speak unto us smooth things. In other words, tell the prophets and the preachers, Give us some smooth things, some things that sound good. Hey, tell me all the good things that I want to hear. Hey, don't, don't tell me anything uncomfortable. Don't tell me anything that I have to do. Don't talk about sin. Don't talk about anything uncomfortable. Just tell me the smooth sayings. Can I tell you, this is the generation in which we are living. Tell me the smooth sayings. I, I want to hear the good news. Uh, Amos says this in Amos uh, chapter 7, verse number 10. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel, and the land is not able to bear all his words. They, they, can't, they can't hear all the, the words of Amos, the prophet. They, they can't stand to hear his words. In other words, to quote Jack uh, Nicholson to Tom Cruise, you can't handle the truth. They, they couldn't handle it. The land cannot bear to hear his words. And because they didn't want to hear the truth, because they couldn't bear it, a few verses later, verse number 13 of Amos chapter 7, it says this. But prophesy not again anymore at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel and it is the king's court. In other words, don't come here again preaching that message. You have to be quiet. You have to go. We don't want to hear those words any longer. We, we can't handle the truth. Can I encourage you today to welcome the truth in your life, even when it's uncomfortable? If a doctor tells us that we have cancer. Nobody wants to hear that message. It's an uncomfortable message to hear. But in the long run, we know that we need to hear it if we want to experience healing. And this is the nature of dealing with difficult subjects in Scripture, that it's often surgical by nature, that it's going to hurt before it heals. So we have to remember that we have a responsibility to, to hear the truth. I don't want to just have uh, ears that are tickled and give me the smooth sayings. I, I want you to tell me the truth. So we have a responsibility to hear the truth. Now, I'm not saying that as followers of Jesus that we have to go and we have to beat people over the heads with truth. Right? I'm not saying that we're mean. Uh, uh, refer back to point number one. Remain sensitive to the needs of others, right, uh, to the concerns of others. But we are to speak the truth in love. Warren Wiersbe said this, truth without love is brutality, and love without truth is hypocrisy. And so we have a responsibility to hear the truth, but then we have a responsibility also to speak the truth, okay, to, to, to communicate the truth. Notice in verse 18. All right, everybody with me still? Notice how Joseph responds. So he hears the baker's dream, verse 18. And Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets on your head, they're three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee. That doesn't sound fun. And shall hang thee on a tree, and it gets worse, and the bird shall eat thy flesh from off thee. Ouch. Sometimes the truth hurts. Imagine Joseph, the baker's like, tell me my dream. Tell me my dream. I want to know. I want to know. Tell me, tell me the good news. Tell me, Joseph. Tell me. And Joseph's like, ah, you know, it's a little cloudy. I'm not sure what this one means. You know, I don't know. Uh, come back again tomorrow. We'll try again. But see, Joseph was faithful to communicate the truth even when it's difficult. How often do we shy away from speaking the truth when it makes us uncomfortable? We all want to be the bearer of good news. We all want to be the one that says, hey, congratulations, you want a million dollars. Hey, congratulations, I, have, I brought you a Starbucks. Hey, here's some good news. Hey, but often we want to shy away from speaking the difficult news. 
and I want to encourage you today that God has called us as his children to be faithful in hearing the truth and also in speaking the truth, even when it's uncomfortable. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Uh, Blaise Pascal, he talked about this. He says, truth is so obscure in these times and falsehood so established that unless we love the truth, we cannot know it. And so we have to have a relationship with the truth, that, that we love the truth. We're longing for truth. We're pursuing truth, truth found in God's word. And this leads us to our fourth and final thought today. Do you have one more in you this morning? The last one is this. Rely on God's timing when things don't go according to plan. Rely on God's timing when things don't go according to plan. Notice verse number 20. A few more verses this morning, and we'll be done. Verse number 20. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday. Happy birthday, Pharaoh. That he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. So it's Pharaoh's birthday. Let's throw a party. Let's celebrate. Hey, uh, the butler and the baker are released from prison. Great news. Celebrating Pharaoh's birthday. Verse 21. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. So the butler, just like Joseph's uh, interpretation, was accurate. He was restored unto his position. Verse 22. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Now, you know Pharaoh had to be mad to kill someone on his birthday, especially the baker. The baker just made the cake. Happy birthday. Lost his life. Just as Joseph promised it would happen, it happened. Everybody still with me? Verse 23, this is what I want you to see. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Thanks a lot, bro. Supposed to put in a good word for me? Forgot all about me? You couldn't even, you couldn't even tell Pharaoh about my situation? I, I gave you this good interpretation. I helped you out and you left me hanging? Notice how long, verse number 41. Verse number one says this, and it came to pass at the end of two full years, full years, two long years, Joseph was waiting in prison. Joseph surely thought, this is my ticket out of here. As soon as the butler tells him, I'm going to be good, things are going to start looking better, but then he had to wait two full years. You know what's interesting about this? Joseph's prayer did not get answered. In fact, notice back in verse number 14 of our text. Everybody still have a Bible? Notice verse 14. He says, but think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. He says, please, help me out. Tell Pharaoh, please, this is my request. And yet God denied that request. You know, sometimes we ought to be thankful that God doesn't answer our prayers in the ways that we want God to answer our prayers. Think about it for a moment. Imagine if Joseph's request did get answered. Imagine if Joseph, the butler, did put in a good word for Joseph. Hey, the butler gets out. Hey, Pharaoh, I just want to let you know also, by the way, there's a guy in prison that really helped me out. He was suffering an injustice, and I think you should let him go. And Pharaoh says, okay, let's let him go. And Joseph is set free. What would happen? He'd probably go back to his family. That would be great. See his family again. But then in a few years, when the famine hits, him and his family would have died. But because God didn't answer Joseph's prayer in his timing, he had to wait two more years. And then eventually, 
Pharaoh would call him up because Pharaoh was having dreams of his own. Joseph would help interpret those dreams. Pharaoh would be so impressed that he elevates Joseph into second in command in all of Egypt. And so when the famine did come, Joseph was able to save his life, his family's life, and the entire nation because God didn't answer his prayer. Can I encourage you to rely on God's timing even when things don't go according to plan? This is when faith comes into play. Things are out of control, and I don't understand it, but God, I'm trusting you each and every step of the way. While Joseph was waiting, God was working. We know he was working because Pharaoh was dreaming. Pharaoh was having some rough nights. He was dreaming. He didn't know what these dreams meant. God was working through Pharaoh while Joseph was waiting. Now, none of us like to wait, right? Uh, nobody likes to wait. Uh, how many of you, it's one of your pet peeves to have to be put on hold and to wait uh, with, with some sort of call. You're trying to take care of a bill or something. You have to be put on hold. How many of you hate that? I hate that. But how many of you love that option when they say, hey, we're really busy right now experiencing a high volume of calls, but we can love to put you in line. You're number 43. We'll give you a call back in an hour. How many of you always choose that selection? I always do that. I'm like, great. Call me back. Why? Because then I can work while I wait. Because I can do something while I wait. Can I encourage you, if God has you in a waiting season, that waiting season should be a worshiping season. You can still serve while you wait. You can still love other people while you wait. You can still worship while you wait because ultimately God is working while we wait. And so today we have to grab hold of the truth, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it hurts, even when it's uncomfortable, to grab hold of the truth, to remember our responsibility to hear the truth and to speak the truth and ultimately know that Jesus is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You know, as we close today, I want you to think about this. Everybody still with me for a minute? Joseph gave some very sobering words to the baker. He says, your days are numbered. That's not an easy message to deliver. Your days are numbered, friend. We have to realize today that our days are numbered. James says in the book of James, what is your life? It is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. Our days are numbered. And the most important thing that we can know in this life is that our eternity is secured and that we have a relationship with God. God sent forth his son, Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life without sin. He went to the cross and he died on the cross, but he died on the cross to pay for your sins in for my sins. And three days later, he rose again, defeating death in the grave. And today, now salvation is readily available by grace through faith. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. It's according to his mercy that he saves us. And today, if you don't know that you have a home in heaven, if you don't know that you have a relationship with God, today can be the day of salvation for you. You can grab hold of the truth. You can handle the truth because Jesus is the truth. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Only through Jesus you can be saved. Today, if you've never done that, I would encourage you, today can be that day of salvation for you. You can receive the free gift that Jesus Christ is offering this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.